0: trouble
1: it's going to get there he turned 32 yesterday does he have a vintage moment in, it? in the end zone it is caught for the win so welcome to episode 128 of the average cheese podcast it's the dale and east coast eric version of the average cheese eric it's good to see you how are you brother
0: i'm good dale thanks for having me it's has uh, been a long time man yeah it's a couple weeks a couple weeks it's been just grueling i've been uh Waiting to talk more about all the madness that's happening in Green Bay Packers Camp lately.
1: Yeah, this is going to be great. Thanks to Ron and the folks at Arna Management. Thanks to Dwight at DDG Customs.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. It is episode 128. I have decided it is the Willie Buchanan episode. Eric, are you old enough to know who Willie Buchanan is?
0: I sure am. And uh, what a historical player. Now, if we're going to talk about stats, I don't know the uh, stats offhand, but Willie Buchanan. Wow.
1: I remember 1978, like I was like six or seven years old in 1978. And like they actually had a winning record for the first time in my entire (laughs) lifetime. So 78 like has this sweet spot in my head and in my heart. Willie Buchanan, first of all, he was drafted by the Packers in 72. He was the defensive rookie of the year in 72. He was drafted out of San Diego State. That's Todd's alma mater. First round pick, seventh pick in the first round. Kind of went the same route that Todd did. He went Juco and then San Diego State. He's from Oceanside, which is right up the road from where Todd and I used to live. Uh, When Todd got out of the Marine Corps, him and I lived in San Diego. So there's a lot of like parallels, except Willie Buchanan was an amazing athlete, and I am not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't have that Aztec blood in you, huh? I do
1: not have Aztec blood in me. He was a two-time Pro Bowler. 78 was the best year of his career. So maybe that's why I remember it so fondly. He had nine picks that year.
0: That's a lot in today's day and age, you know, and that was when they had 14 game seasons back then when he started they moved to 16 game seasons when he had the nine interception 93 return yards. He had one, one for a touchdown. Like back then, those were kind of big stats. You know, there was not a Deion Sanders anywhere in the uh, lower back then. And uh, yeah, he really put it together.
1: Great player. Played a couple of years with San Diego. Went home, essentially, and played with the Chargers, which is kind of cool to end his career. But yeah, Billy Buchanan, episode 128.
0: All right, let's get into this. Three-day Hall of Famer.
1: So the slices, I know you're like, Cameo? What the fuck does that mean, Dale? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you want Cameo now? Hey, man, is average cheese just taking donations? Hey, shout out a birthday for you? A tell off an Yeah, old exactly. What are they doing? For like
1: 13 cents, I will say happy birthday to whoever <laughs> you want. So I was listening to Jim Rome during the day, and he's like, he started talking about Cameo and how he's on Cameo. And I thought, wow. Oh, Maybe we should get a new intro to The Average Cheese, right? Like, I'll look up and see how much Jim Rome is to, to do cameos or whatever. God damn, Eric. I know we're not famous, but I feel like I could make a little bit of change. Maybe like a dollar <laughs> I could charge for two minutes. Jim Rome sure. $150 for a two-minute cameo. Oh, man. That's bananas.
0: Unbelievable. Man, that's... That is bananas. I remember when lawyers were getting paid $150, or a doctor would get $150 an hour. You think that's the profession that I need to be in. Now you just need to be a cameo artist.
1: Right. Gosh. So I then started Good looking through, like, because I'm cheap as hell. And I want to find <laughs> I want to find like the Tony mandrich Is he like $50 or like the Ty Summers who we beat the crap out of on this show? If you ever listen, <laughs> oh hell no. <laughs> I'm not they treat triple his charge. Donald Driver, Eric, $600 to do a cameo. Got to be kidding me. No, sir. Not a joke.
0: For two minutes? Yes. Oh,
1: I I can't do the math on the hourly rate, but that's a lot of money, Donald. $600.
0: Gosh, and he doesn't even give a Packer Legend discount to any Packer podcasters? That's criminal. $600.
1: Yeah. Doing a little brain surgery on the side of that Cameo? Like, what (laughs) what are you doing that makes you worth that much money, Donald?
0: Do I get a front row seat to the softball invitation in the summer with that Cameo price?
1: Good call. I should put that in the message. Like, hey, what else do I get for my Cameo, bro? (laughs) 600 bucks.
0: Uh, Are there a lot of Packers on Cameo?
1: There are more former Packers than you would think, but -hmm. there's not a lot. There's not, I'd say maybe there's 50 or so. I do this on a budget, brother. We do this for charity. I know
0: (laughs) we do it for fun and for the listeners to enjoy while they're at work, pushing around uh, papers on a desk. You know, that's why we podcast.
1: Exactly. Eric, you've listened to us and you've done shows with us. You know that I am a bit of a conspiracy theorist, right? Like I,
0: (laughs) And I'm all in with it too, man. I'm with you.
1: So let's talk Dan Snyder. Now that Dan Snyder has sold the Washington Commanders slash Redskins slash football team for what? Six billion dollars. Gosh, I'm a little sad. Because I feel like this is the end of the Dale's going to beat up on Daniel Snyder shit. Right. <laughs> I'll just let you let you start, because where do you stand on Daniel Snyder and this whole mess? And his whole, all the suits and that kind of thing. Is it overblown?
0: I don't think it's overblown. I think when you are in the National Football League, number one, and do we throw shade at Roger Cadell on any of this? I, I don't know. I just think that he's held a standard for the Football League that I can get behind. And what Daniel Snyder has done, he's fined $60 million. That's an incredible amount of money for a fine. But what is it for? It's for, you know, found having sexually harassed women in the workplace, former cheerleaders, marketing employee. It's as dirty as it gets, really. I mean, if you were in that organization and had to go home to your husband and wife every night and feel proud that you worked for that organization, it's just more mud right on your face because this guy has just carried the whole team and everybody associated with it right down the drain with him.
1: Well, I think the 60 million is that he was taking money that was supposed to be in that shared revenue coffer and he was putting it in other places or he wasn't. He denies any involvement, responsibility, knowledge of Mm -hmm. this. Dude, you own the fucking team. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You think these people just did that on their own?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to see here. I, I, Hey, ambivalent, Dan. I'm glad that it happened really because not only it has he sold the team for an extraordinary amount of money but now the NFL and in in the fines that he's getting I mean this is big investigations right Mary Jo White former federal prosecutor and chairman for the Securities and Ch- Exchange Commission
1: Yeah the SEC like the stock yeah. fraud that kind of thing like that spent
0: 17 that. months looking into all the all the shenanigans he had been doing there it's an incredible investigation so Finding him right now on the way out the door, I'm all for it. I just want the biggest hits he can get to his wallet because that's really what he's about. I mean, hiding money and everything else. It was all about him, like just a typical narcissist running an organization, thinking rules don't apply. He's above every law. He's still going to walk to the bank with a ton of money, but every million hurts, you know it does to him. And it kills the ego, so I'm all for it. I
1: mean, he just basically refused to talk to the lady for the first what 10 months or 11 months of this whole thing and then he's like you only get 1 hour wait what get 1 hour what what a joke it's the nfl circling the wagons it's what they do right the problem is is that none of the owners can come and say oh dan you know you did x y and z because you know they're all doing it yeah they're all rich dudes who think they're above the law they really don't want themselves investigated either so yeah, they're just gonna <laughs> quietly walk away and like, yeah, fuck that guy. He's mm-hmm. the only one. Yeah, but I pray. And I know we've talked about this before. I pray that John Gruden just burns the whole thing to the ground. <laughs> he just well, comes that... up with a tell all and just says, Nope, I don't care. I'm never gonna coach again. Just tell the truth. I would love for that to happen.
0: Well, you know what, that's a thing that we didn't talk about in all this. And that's I true. think that is the the next great step is because John Gruden, whatever kind of verbiage he had, whatever he said in those emails, it is, it is shameful for an owner to get involved with somebody else's life like that and expose it. To have a vendetta against somebody and expose just one person versus everybody, to me, that that kind of selective uh, shit. I'm not excusing John Gruden by any means. What is disgusting is somebody to pinpoint a guy like John Gruden, who has meant a lot to a lot of players, and talks to those people and looks them in the eye. He's pretty frank and pretty honest with them. And I think uh, the undermining of it and smearing his name, it makes me think more poorly of Daniel Snyder than it does, quite honestly, and probably incorrectly. People out there will tell, tell me if I'm wrong, but of of John Gruden. I understand what you, your character is defined by how you act when nobody's looking it's ridiculous for him to be singled out, especially somebody that has had that kind of impact.
1: And he was the scapegoat 1000%. Do not believe for one second that only the John Gruden emails had any kind of dirt in them. I mean, they checked like 300,000 emails. The only thing they could find is a former employee, John Gruden, who no longer worked for the franchise. I don't believe it. Goodbye, Dan Snyder. I mean, I'll miss you because the content that you provided, I do appreciate and fuck you.
0: Yeah, get out Speaking of here.
1: Making a fuck you, Aaron Rodgers. So this is going to be like that. I go both ways with Aaron Rodgers today. I love some things he's done, and I'm super pissed that he took a pay cut to play with the Jets.
0: Mm. Dale,
1: does it burn you? Like it burns
0: me? It burns me in a way that I don't know. So let let me let me back up so you get the full gist of what's going on in my brain. I was so happy when he left because I was done with the drama talk. Mm -hmm. I was done with the perpetual Aaron Rodgers in the headlines, taken away from what the Green Green Bay Packers fans are about, Green Bay Packers. He was a part of the team, the leader of the team. We love him being that leader because we always felt like we had a Super Bowl available. When he got that contract, everybody was against it. And he comes back, you know, I mean, two MVPs, are you going to argue with it? What I'm going to argue is that at 37 years old and you took that contract, you could have got Odell Beckham Jr. You could have got some other player in there that would have made the impact that you wanted by taking less money. But now at 39 years old, you're going to go to the New York Jets. And just to stick it in our ear, you're going to take less money to you know, bring on whatever it's going to be, Dalvin Cook, whatever player is going to be released who he, he's thinking some gems going to be released at the trade down line. It's such a petty sleight of hand. And then again, on the other side, his, his interviews would be like, I love the Packers. You know, it's not my home anymore. I wish right. him the best. I texted Jordan love blada, blah blada. Blah, blah. Fact is he took a pay cut and it was a big pay cut to help that team. And he wouldn't help the team here. Right. And that's
1: my whole issue with him.
0: And Dale, is it, is it because of his, his relationship with the front office or is it because of Aaron Rodgers' ego?
1: I think it's both. I think the one thing. So I think his ego drives how his relationship went with the front office, because I think that he believed he was as big as them or bigger than the front office and could make decisions. I think it's a big middle finger and I get it. Packers drafted Jordan love his replacement when he didn't believe Mm -hmm. he was done. I get that. I get why he would give them the middle finger. Signed you to a gigantic contract. Three years, essentially 50 million per year at age 37. That's them saying, we are all in on you, Aaron. Let's do it. And he could have said, no, you know what? I'm going to take a smaller contract. I appreciate the offer, but we want to go win Super Bowls. I want OBJ, Mm -hmm. I want Devontae to stay, I want to go pick up somebody, you know what I mean, that will help our squad. He didn't do any of that. So that's him and his ego shoving it up our behind. That's what he's doing.
0: Yeah. And do you really think that the New York Jets have that much better of an opportunity in this window that he's existing? Let's go two years back and two years forward from right now. Do you think the New York Jets provide him that opportunity to win the Super Bowl more than the Green Bay Packers would have? I just I, I don't understand that thought process. I mean, the AFC is a much harder division right now in the Packers. were. We were a couple players, whether it was on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the ball. You're not going to tell me that sauce Gardner, Quentin Williams are, are the difference makers for him to say, this is why I'm going to go. To the, to the Super Bowl. You can't tell me that Garrett, Garrett Wilson is the reason I'm going to go to the Super Bowl because right, the second-year receiver from Ohio State is better than who I've been playing with and who I requested to be on the on the roster.
1: It makes no sense. It, I mean, it does make sense. If you look at it and you believe that Aaron Rodgers' ego is just astronomically large, that's the reason behind it. Let's see he takes that $35 million over two-year paid cut along with Devontae Adams' contract renegotiations. <laughs> Devontae Adams yeah. gets paid that money that he wants. He didn't leave mm-hmm. to go play at home. Vegas isn't home. That's fucking nonsense. That didn't happen that way. It was all about money. You throw mm-hmm. an extra $4 million in Devontae Adams' pocket, he stays in Green yeah. Bay all day long. If he's the yeah. highest-paid receiver in Green Bay – He stays.
0: You know, the argument was made that, you know, the 27-5 was matched by Green Bay that the Raiders gave him. But could he have gotten more if Green Bay would have said, hey, listen, it's going to be 130. You're going to be the number one. The flip side is that he was talking about the window. You know, he doesn't know if Aaron's going to play. Now you're going to tell me after what we gave you, you're going to go to the New York Jets now and you're going to commit to them for the next two years as well. It doesn't make sense to me on how he's justifying it and I hate and I I, I don't want to bash Aaron Rodgers because I love the player is amazing person is just become more and more questionable and the way he carries it and justifies the action just it's not adding up. And it's not adding up to anybody in Packer Nation who's who's paying attention to all this. And it's just, that's where as a fan, when you fanned out as hard as we have since 2005 of him, what's he going to become? And then in 2008, look at what he could be and what he became and Super Bowl. And you kicked us in the gut and it's just a tough one to swallow.
1: I don't know. Anyway, fuck you for
0: that, Absolutely. Another quarter in the jar, Dale.
1: (laughs) On the flip side of that, I do like what Aaron Rodgers did. For Nathaniel Hackett, when it comes to this whole Sean Payton thing.
0: That's so, the oxymoron that he is. Yes. You know
1: What did Ted Thompson say? He's an interesting fella or whatever. Yeah. Well, here's the <laughs> yeah. other side of that. So Sean Payton yeah. goes on. I think he was in USA Today. I think he was he sat down with someone from USA today and he basically said that Nathaniel Hackett. Now he didn't name Nathaniel Hackett, but he said the job in Denver was one of the worst coaching jobs. In NFL history, now mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hackett did get fired mid—not mid-season, with I think a game or two left. So okay, he yeah. did do a poor job. Week There's 15. no question about that. But holy smokes, one head coach saying that about a former head coach? Wow.
0: Yeah. And that circles back to Aaron Rodgers, just even even prior to that, because, you know, the rumblings of him, the Denver wanted Aaron Rodgers. That right. package that they sent to Seattle for Russell Wilson, you know, that had, you know, the other Eric from the Acme Army that saying, we got to take that deal. I was kind of against it, like, no, 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 I love Aaron Rodgers. Let's get the uh, Super Bowl. You know, let's not take all that draft capital and player capital. But they had the idea. They wanted Nathaniel Hackett to be the head coach for Aaron Rodgers. They pushed as hard as they could to get some kind of trade. And that's where Sean Payton says, uh, where's his quote? It doesn't happen often where an NFL team or organization gets embarrassed. And that happened here. Part of it was their own fault. Relative spending so much damn money trying to win the offseason. Denver trying to win the offseason. Bring in Aaron Rodgers. The PR, the pomp and circumstance, marching people around and all that stuff that's what he says the New York Jets did this year by nice. bringing Aaron Rodgers in. So, I mean, the way that Sean Payton kind of undermined Aaron Rodgers, the New York Jets, through the front office president, GM under the bus, the marketing director for the Broncos for trying to orchestrate this whole shenanigan, bringing in a MVP caliber quarterback and catering to him by bringing his favorite coach. Now, Nathaniel Hackett wasn't much of a play caller for us. No. He all you heard about was, was he had Aaron Rodgers, right? He was an environment guy. He right. was the guy people on that offense love to come into the office building with talk, chop it up, be on the field with his excitement, his character. That's, that's what they tried to lure him with. Can you fault the Denver Broncos for wanting to do that?
1: hundred percent. No, you, you do what you need. If you want Aaron Rodgers in your building. I mean, the jets did it, but they did it with yeah. Randall Cobb and all and and Adrian Amos and all the guys in yeah. Alan Lazard, like they Lazard. Know, yeah. as a head coach, you don't go after guys in your profession. It's bad no, no. juju. I thought it was yeah. cool that Aaron Rodgers was like, basically like, keep your name out my mouth, motherfucker. I and mean, he said it about <laughs> Daniel Hackett, but it really is him because yeah. like you just said, Sean Payton didn't name names, but he was talking about the Aaron Rodgers deal and the potential Aaron Rodgers deal. I mean, it's very clear to anyone who follows football that that's what he was saying without saying it directly. Was Nathaniel Hackett a great head coach? No, he wasn't a Mm -hmm. great head coach. But to say he was one of the worst in NFL history, that's really saying a lot. And some guys aren't coaches. I mean, he might be a great coordinator. There are guys who are great coordinators who just aren't Mm – CEO enough to be yep. a head coach. And Nathaniel Hackett mm-hmm. probably isn't that. Yep. I cannot wait for week five.
0: Oh, it's going to be epic, man.
1: <laughs> it's going to be great. I hope Aaron Rodgers, as much as I just shit on Aaron Rodgers two minutes yep. ago, I hope he throws mm-hmm. for like eight touchdowns and they just run it up on Denver.
0: Not only do I not like Russell Wilson to a level that is just... Uh, uh, blasphemous for a ba- a former Badger, somebody I loved watching in college. I dislike him and the way he carries himself. it's just the arrogance he has altogether for being a quarterback. And I, I tell you what, Sean Payton mentioned it: having your own personal trainer, having your own office in the building with your personal trainer, dietitian. Who are, he had three people in there right. all the time.
1: His team, essentially.
0: Sean Payton saying that, that, that Aaron Rodgers was just a circus. Everybody in that front office allowed that stuff to happen, right? The GM for Russell Wilson to take that over, to have this kind of really spoon-feeding the star player, anything that he wants. And that puts, number one, a rookie head coach like Nathaniel Hackett In such a tough position where he's got to do something that's completely out of his toolbox, number one, by being a head coach, but now you got to cater specifics to a, a star player that you don't have a relationship with, you're trying to get on the same page with, who doesn't know how to call a timeout when the clock is just ticking and ticking and ticking. I mean, when you have the ball in scoring position, I mean, it was just a recipe for a disaster, but go back to the point. Of Sean Payton shitting on another head coach in the profession, knowing how hard it is. It's such a shitty character, reflection of Sean Payton, that week five will be the one week I watch and cheer on Aaron Rodgers this season to just beat the hell out of him. Yeah, I'm all for that touchdown record we talked about last time.
1: Let's skip the Jordan Addison thing. There's no, it's not really a story. <laughs>
0: but it's still funny. <laughs> it's still funny. <laughs> just for the, I mean, but we talk about the intelligence of people. When you come into New Moneydale, and somebody gives you first round money, guaranteed. And you go out and blow it on a big car. And I'm sorry, but Minneapolis cops on the highway. I lived in Minneapolis for eight years. I mean, those I've been pulled over plenty of times. And I was in a Sebring, all right, coupe. <laughs> was a V6, all right? I'm going 70 and they're pulling me over. They're all 55 on the freeways there. They're not 65, you know? They're all four lanes, two lanes, three lanes around there. It's all 55. Going 140. How many times do we got to see it?
1: Right. I'll be honest. And I've said this on this show many times. It's probably a good thing that I didn't come into a lot of money when I was young. Cause I, <laughs> yeah, I made a lot right? of bad decisions when I was a young man. And I probably also would have driven a probably 140. I did it on my motorcycle on the way home from college. You know, as fast <laughs> yeah. as I could get that thing to go, that's how fast I was going. So I get it, Jordan Addison. I'm glad you didn't hurt anybody. I'm glad your dog, if it was having an actual emergency, like you said, Hopefully you got it to the vet safely. My dog.
0: Is <laughs> no, my dog gave him a homework. Come on now.
1: Exactly. That's actually what it smacks of. The dog yeah, can't speak, yeah. so I'm going to blame it on him. I wish Todd was on for this because Quay Walker has been a guy that Todd and I have beat up. Todd more than I, especially for mm-hmm. the shenanigans, the... Stuff that, you know, the slamming of the guys and, and the hitting guys out of bounds. Ty was not a big fan of Quay Walker for that reason. Now, you said it last time mm-hmm. you are on. You love his athleticism, and so do I. That yeah. guy is mm-hmm. going to be a great player if he can put it all together. And he will. I think so, too. I mean, as a rookie, 121 tackles or whatever, as a rookie, awesome. Yeah. Right? Like, you can't right. ask for much more than that. Mm-hmm. He said that he went... And, and, you know, he's thought a lot about these suspensions and he's done some work with the psychology guy at the Packers. And and he's, you know, done some work on his his mentals, for lack of of Mm -hmm. a better term.
0: I love that he addressed it. I When I read the article and him talking about, man, there's not a day that went by this offseason that I did not think about it. Use that as motivation. Use it as a constant reminder in your head. You need to be controlled chaos. You need to be a killer. With a a true philosopher's, you know, head like, hey, listen, I know that I'm I'm just a, a monster on this field, but being able to be controlled enough to switch it off to not confuse a trainer for another player after the whistle blows right. to not feel like you're being disrespected because your feelings got hurt. You're 22 years old. Like it's like it's like when somebody throws a shoulder and you're walking in the in the high school hall. You can't react to every. This is the real world now. This is where millions of dollars are being paid to you to be controlled chaos. When he says that he thought about it, means he's going to learn from, or means he has learned from. The important thing is is that he's also as athletically gifted as he is. He has a mentor in Devondre Campbell, which for us to have a tandem on the second level of those two guys, their athletic abilities, and to have. Just the character of Devondre, have another offseason, have another training camp to work with him and have that rub off on Quay. I mean, the sky's the limit. You know, we have to cut him some slack because he's a Georgia product. Those guys did not live by rules down there. They right. had a great college franchise, but look at all the stuff that's coming out on, on Georgia players. I mean, right. it's it's speeding. it's brutal.
1: Clearly, there are no real whatever you do during the week try not to get arrested. If you do, we'll figure it out from there. But right, being in that culture and then coming to Green Bay, which is a totally different atmosphere, totally different mindset, plus these are professionals. It's different for sure. He clearly has adjusted. Like you said, if he has already thought about it and he's been thinking about it day after day, he gets it. He has moved on from it. And he must have Mm -hmm. learned something from it. He realizes that if you're a linebacker in the NFL, you got to play on the edge of sanity because if you don't, you can't be super effective. you got to find that Mm -hmm. fine line somewhere.
0: Advanced chemistry teacher in high school, Ted Voigt, shout out. He said uh, when I asked him for help with time, he says, hey, I'm not going to help you. You need to wallow in the muck. And when I read that article on Quay Walker, he has wallowed in the muck and thought about the embarrassment he brought to himself. The embarrassment he brought to his family. Because think about that, Dale. You make that kind of national spectacle, not one time, but two times, especially to the Bills trainers, it makes you have a stigma on you that affects your family forget the organization because the organization we've already bounced back from it you know i mean the organization they move on with the head coaches they don't take any of that stuff personally they just try to contain it he's wallowed through like the embarrassment he's brought onto just his name and his family and that's what makes you a better person right that kind of adversity really makes you a better person but it also lets you know that once training camp starts he's flipped the switch that was yesterday. Time to move forward. And I can't wait to see what happens with him because he is electric.
1: If Campbell is fully healthy, because one of the things that boundary Campbell talked about was that he wasn't 100 percent healthy last year. If he's 100 yeah. percent healthy, those guys are athletic off the mm-hmm. chain. It should, <laughs> it's the best linebacker core we've had since like the 96 season. So let's talk a little, yeah. little training camp.
0: Let's
1: do it. One of my favorite things, and I'm not saying it's one of my favorite things because Jonathan Garvin got cut. (laughs) You know, I'm not here like, yay, Jonathan Garvin, glad you got cut. But he got cut on his birthday. (laughs) I know that this coaching staff has no clue that it was Jonathan Garvin's birthday. But hey, social media team, happy birthday, Jonathan. Jonathan, can you come see Coach LaFleur in his office? Is there going to be cake? No, you are no longer. And I'm sorry, Uh, sorry, Jonathan, because I bet you're a great human being. And I do not wish anyone getting fired. But just the whole the whole circus of that is funny to me. I'm sorry, Jonathan. Is it
0: too much to ask for a little synergy between? Between the, the front office and the PR staff that's putting out this stuff to just have a little communication going on. I'm like, hey, this is what's happening today. Uh, before we uh, announce to the world, hey, happy birthday, Jonathan Garvin, that we're going to let him go. I mean, that was, but dial it back, Dale. You knew something was up when they moved him from the edge and they tried him out on the defensive line because you know we just drafted two guys that we're really excited about for that defensive line. Right. We have Slayton, Devontae. You got Clark. You know what you have there. And to put him from the edge into the interior, you knew something was going on. Right. I just thought they were going to give him maybe another day. Yeah, it's way too small. Give him one day. Yeah. Give him a day to play it out, something, you know, maybe two days.
1: Give give him his birthday cake and then cut him the next day. I mean, they did the same thing with Kamal Martin. Remember, Kamal Martin was an inside linebacker out of Minnesota, and then they moved him out to edge, and then they cut him. You know, they were giving him an yeah. opportunity maybe to see, so it's the same idea. Let's give him a shot somewhere else, yeah. see what he can do. They realize he couldn't do it. Jonathan Garvin is way too small to be playing end in the three-four. Like he, he couldn't hold the mm-hmm. edge against the tight end. What's he yeah. gonna do against yeah. the guard tackle? He's just gonna we go-
0: expected a lot out of a seventh-round pick, is what we did. And um, we got guys to fill in for him now, you know, Justin Hollins. Yeah. I loved him last year because every time he was on the field, you just saw his number and you went, who the heck is that guy? Right. Who who Who's 49? Was it your 40? Who is that guy? His arms are just, they're predator-like. I mean, they're just so long and gangly. Just like, wow, hes he could really turn into something. And they would continue to put Garvin in there. And you're like, hey, man, we're not seeing any kind of flash from him.
1: Collins is a professional football player. I don't know how to say that. He's not the athletic freak that Van Ness is or Rashawn Gary is, but he just does his job. And sometimes you just need to do your job. You don't need to make yeah. a great play. You need to make the play that your position is being asked to, be, to do in that spot. And that's what Justin Hollis yeah. gives you. Let's just leave it at that. Good luck, Jonathan Garvin. And almost as funny, the next day was Darnell Savage's birthday. <laughs> They didn't cut him, unfortunately. <laughs> Happy we, we, birthday, and you're not cut, Darnell.
0: Darnell Savage might be better in the slot than he is at safety. But we also have Stokes to think about now. We got Razul. We got Jair. You know, right now they're using Enos Gaines in the slot as well. So, right. I mean, move I,
1: move from safety, it's the same thing you're just talking about. Like, Yeah, like. Putting in square pegs and round holes, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're hoping that they're going to change and be better. Guys play safety because they can't play corner. It's not the yeah. other way around. You might yeah. move from corner to safety. You don't move from safety to corner very often. Yeah, to be successful. Speaking mm-hmm. of that, the, of the Joe Barry moving things around, I think it's very interesting. And I don't have this in the notes here, so I apologize. Oh. The Packers have gone from the Dean Lowrys, Tyler Lancaster's. Who just are there to occupy space to Devontae Wyatt, Colby Wooden? Am I saying that right?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Like they've moved to these young, these faster, smaller defensive ends. And they're saying that this is how Joe Barry's defense is supposed to be. Well, why the fuck did we wait so long then? draft <laughs> guys that are that are for his system like that makes no sense you were asking dean lowry to get into the backfield and and make plays that's not who he is
0: yeah yeah
1: moving to a smaller guy because that's what joe berry has always wanted jesus christ really
0: yeah what are we waiting for here what are we waiting for yeah because wooden and brooks are completely different players than what we've had and they penetrate And being able to penetrate between that guard and tackle is fantastic, man. And I hope it works. Because if we can continue to get pressure, continue to develop that second level with Quay and, and Devondre, then it doesn't just predicate the whole defense on, can Preston get there? Can Rashawn Gary get there? Can Rashawn Gary's replacement get there? Because instead of just stacking the line and holding everybody up and waiting for the ends to get around, can we get some more creative looks in there with our linebackers rushing in as well, where we're actually getting some true mismatches and some rush up the field? So I, I'm for it. It's just a little odd that it's taken so long.
1: Well, and what does that say then about defending the run? I'm all for changing up because we have not stopped the run under Joe Barry or Mike Pettin. So to mm-hmm. do something different, I'm all for, but what I see or... I hope I don't see, but what what I foresee is like Colby Wooden taking a chance going through the guard center gap. And then we just get gashed for 20 yard runs Mm -hmm. because Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, while athletic as heck, aren't built to stand in the hole and take on block. Hopefully we can stop that run before it starts. And that's the idea of getting into the backfield, right? Is that you don't have to worry about it because then you're just cleaning up the mess.
0: Well, here's the thing about Wooden though. When you look at his highlights and what he did at Auburn and the way that he got through the line and tackled the running back, look at what we're used to, what you just mentioned. With Lancaster especially, Lowry especially, to just stack up the offensive linemen and try to arm tackle people. Uh, Wooden gets through, penetrates, and it's shoulder tackles. It's full wrapping around. Brook's the same way. I mean, you didn't see a whole lot of highlights, but you could dig him up from that Bowling Green. Like He, he was getting penetration, tackles well. Maybe that's what we're looking for. Maybe uh, let's knock on Wood.
1: Mason Crosby's wife, Molly, has been very active on social media all <laughs> of a sudden. And that on top of honors Carlson really struggling in mm. camp. I don't want to say I want to see Mason Crosby number two in a Packer uniform again, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't sell that house too quick, Mason.
0: I mean, can the Packers cover the payments for another year? Just kind of just keep them close to home and, uh, hey, if we need you. How tough is it to be a rookie kicker, though? How tough is it to be a rookie kicker with injury history? Um, Just imagine the speed difference. I mean, Dale, put yourself in that in that spot, seven yards behind that offensive line, and just the speed difference of everything. It's a lot to put on a rookie.
1: Yeah, no doubt it is. And again, the Packers are in a youth movement, so Mm -hmm. I I get all of that. But you can't miss kicks in the NFL. You just can't. I don't care if you're a rookie or not. I mean, I know (laughs) that the rookies go through these things. They may change teams and then get better. That may be a thing. Do I want Anders Carlson to fail? Hell no, I don't. I want him to be great. Again, we beat up on Mason Crosby over and over again, but Mason Crosby figured it out over time.
0: He's had two bad seasons. Mason Crosby's had right. two bad seasons, and his 17. bounce back seasons have been and you yeah. don't know what's been happening in those two seasons where he was missed what kind of injuries, because those those kind of things aren't disclosed to the public. You know, I mean right. kickers got different mechanics and different tweaks that can mess everything up, but Mason bounced back with such ferocity. -hmm. Can you can't put that on a rookie. You can't put that expectation that somebody who's doing so poorly in camp is going to be able to win the game or win the three games that are going to be decided by two three points that are going to have a real impact. They're going to have a not not just playoff scenario, but I'm talking a young team, a youth movement. You can't take that gamble. I mean, if he's a rookie and we can stash him because he's got an injury history, and we we think, it's, can you put him on the injured reserve list and keep him around? Is it worth it then? Can he make practice squad? I don't know if you, you waste a roster spot with a kicker uh, on the practice squad, but you know we've done it in the past, but I, I just don't know where the effectiveness of that is.
1: See how that goes.
0: And especially when opposing coaches know you've been struggling in camp and you're a rookie.
1: Speaking of... Pressure and ears pinned back. Jordan Love. I mean, with all the pressure in the world on his shoulders, as far as camp goes, and I know it's not games, and I know it's not shared practices with anybody yet, but Jordan Love, though he struggled a couple times, has been pretty good lately. In fact, Saturday, there were all kinds of pundits and people that were up at camp saying that this is pro- Saturday was probably the best day Jordan Love has ever had at camp. He's like 16 to 22. Now I'm not trying to be like, oh, here we go, Hall yeah. of Famer number three. If he can be consistent and improve, that's really what we're looking
0: for. That's what we need to see. Of course, you know today's we're recording on a Monday. Today he started off the 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 team sessions with a deep ball to Christian Watson. They say it would have been a 68 yard touchdown. That brings you some momentum, but. I think the thing that is still sticking everybody who's watching these offense versus defense, why is the offense doing pushups every day after the team period? Because the defense is beating the offense because the, the offense is not putting and executing the way they should be, but they're not putting the ball in the end zone in these two minute drills and every other drill they're putting together. But are we seeing progress? Are we seeing decision-making progress and I think that's what we've seen. He is making the correct reads and he's doing his best to get the ball where it needs to be. This is his hellfire right now. He's going through it. He hasn't succeeded yet, but to have these guys in the, in the national media and unnamed NFL coaches or, you know, uh front office people saying, I just don't see it with Jordan. I don't see the decision-making. I don't see the athletic ability. I don't see the growth. I didn't see it in college. Like, that's what he's going against. He's going against that kind of pressure, and everybody else is getting, you know, infiltrated with that kind of negativity on him. Let's let him grow. Let's let him base 0 and 4 against the defense and uh see how you come back because we've seen the bright spots in it, but we're expecting Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden. Right. We're expecting Aaron we Rodgers all of the sudden.
1: I yeah. just want him to be good and get better. Yeah. I gotta read this to you. This is uh Bill Huber. On Monday, Jordan Lowe was seven of twelve in passing. He started with four consecutive completions. This is my favorite part of the article. All for short gains to Josiah DeGuara, Tucker Craft, and Luke Musgrave. <laughs> what? The Packers are throwing the ball to the tight end? Hallelujah.
0: Ah, oh. we, we talked about it on the last show, about the tight ends. I don't know what we were smoking with having Jay Sternberger come in, but it sounded great at that during that week. But... <laughs> You know, Josiah Aguara, we cannot close the book on him yet. We were excited when he came out of college, you know, Cincinnati, having Matt LaFleur saying this is the tight end that I want, the move tight end that I want. But then to just be gifted a Musgrave and Tucker Craft this season and to see what Musgrave has done so far in camp. We haven't seen an athlete like this. No. We haven't seen some watch the tape on this guy and how fluid he runs. He's six mm-hmm. six. This is who we thought Jimmy Graham was going to be, and we have something right now that the sky's the limit with us. So heck yeah, heck yeah, Bill Huber. If they want to throw those tight ends, throw it to him all day, because we know we suck everybody down to those short passes on the tight ends. We got Christian over, the top. over the top. We got Reed over the top. You know that's the that's the Matt Lafleur offense. The you know unpredictability we want to see.
1: The other thing I thought was interesting out of camp is that Zach Thomas taking most of the snaps with the ones at right tackle, yeah, not Yash Nyman. I just don't know. We watched Yash Nyman in games, and I don't think he played poorly. He wasn't the big turnstile on the line where guy where he was getting beat over and over and over again during games. But the there's something the Packers don't see in Yash Nyman. I don't know what it is. I, and yeah. I, I think Zach Tom is going to be a very good player in this league. I love his athleticism. Mm-hmm. Is Josh Nyman forever going to be a swing tackle in this league? I feel like he could start for a lot of teams. And to mm-hmm. see Zach Tom go out there, which is to right tackle, and be with the ones is pretty interesting.
0: You, we've been so high on, Nash, on Yash since he came onto the team because he was 325 pounds, 6'7", just a monster. Yeah. We had yeah. waited so long for him to develop, and now he's developing. And, and this is what I guess I'm I'm a little bothered by. Not bothered. I'm confused by that Zach Tom right now, we're kind of creating an Elton Jenkins 2.0, where you have a great athletic offensive lineman who is now being put into so many different positions that they're not getting the opportunity to develop into one. Now, if right tackle is going to be Zach Tom's position of the future, great. I'm all for it. But he's 6'5", 305 pounds. He's not 6'7", 325, run mauler. Zach Tom proved last year he was great at left tackle because he's got great hips. He's got great pass blocking. But for a right tackle, you need a little bigger you know, mauler for the running game, right? That's just traditionally what we've put that right. position into that mold. I Zach Tom, as Peter, the great Average Cheese podcaster from the UK, had mentioned over and over that – center might be his best position. And what are we seeing in camp this year? What are we seeing in the reports on the one-on-ones for our current center from the Ohio state university? Not doing well, but also Yash has been playing on David Bakhtiari's days off on the left side. What are we doing there? Are we ensuring that Yash is going to focus just on one side because there is that high percentage of Bakhtiari, you know, at some point, Missing some games, it's not our pay level to make that decision. But it's just it, from us from the outside looking in, kind of confused at at how we're going about this. So
1: Bakhtiari is not going to play every down, and you need somebody to go out there and be proficient because if you're not, you're going to get Jordan Love killed. Yeah. Anything else about camp you want to talk about?
0: No, I'm just I thought I'd hear more about our wide receivers. We're just not. It's not that the offense is bad. Is that I think our defense is finally better than we're hoping better than we thought they were because our cornerbacks are amazing. I can't wait to see what happens when Stokes comes back and is, is playing is giving us, you know, a read on what the depth is going to be behind Razul and Jair, because if it's Stokes, we're going to be feeling real good about it. If it's Corey Valentine or Valentine or Shaman, John Charles, you know, those are where we kind of go, ah, Safety is working itself out. I'm a big fan of Rudy Ford. I like what the younger guys are, are doing. We'll see if Jonathan Owens pans out. Darnell Savage and, and Rudy Ford, I'm, I'm pretty good with them in my mind as the starters back there. If the front can do what we're hoping they can do with what we've talked about already, with a defensive line that can p- penetrate and put pressure on opposing quarterbacks, we have ball hawks back there. We know Darnell Savage can make interceptions. We know he's got range to really attack deep seam routes. And listen, Jalen Ramsey's hurt. He's going to be out until December I hear right now. Jair is the best cornerback in the league. I think that's what what I'm really excited about.
1: And the last thing, I just want to put this in there. I think the Packers like to have guys named Tyler who can move around. Tyler Mm -hmm. Irvin a couple years ago. Now Tyler Mm -hmm. Goodson, I saw, has been all over the place. He is the new Tyler Irvin. Yeah. You know, out of the backfield, in the slot, out wide. I am not. I don't want to say I'm praying because it's not that serious, but I am hoping to see more motion again and more creativity in the play calling yeah. to get guys in spots. Mm-hmm. Mismatch. That's what you need to do in this league. Yeah. Put Christian mm-hmm. Watson, put your playmakers in a spot where they can make plays and use their athletic gifts.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: this is the most athletic team we've had in a very long time on both sides of the ball. Yeah.
0: Well, and Goodson just begs the question of where Patrick Taylor's role fits on this team. Because I, I don't want to say I'm done with Patrick Taylor because I love his story. He's come back from injuries and he's filled in for the Dylan Aaron Jones role. I should more so, more so say the Dylan role, but Goodson offers a completely different set of skills you team that up with reed Jaden reed's fast right and he's whether whether he's getting a jet sweep or whether he's catching a screen or intermediate route goodson in there are we keeping three running backs are we keeping four because if patrick taylor's still in the mix we, we know we have a plotting solid never going to break a long run it, you know is not going to fumble more than you know once a year get it the illusion of complexity is based on skill sets of players mismatches Musgrave, Kraft, Reed, Watson, Goodson, Jones. That's, that's where it gets exciting to see what those packages and how they roll out.
1: Yeah. I just don't see what Patrick Taylor's role is other than a solid understudy to Jones and Dylan.
0: So excited because camp is always about hopes and dreams and what we saw from the draft like, Oh man, hopefully it's going to pan out. Now we're seeing what pans out and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And to me, musgrave is something I don't want to talk about too much because I just I think he is systematically going to change that position and the opportunities for everybody else around him if he stays healthy knocking on wood
1: all right so thanks for listening to episode 128 of the average cheese podcast with our old friend Eric the Willie Buchanan episode go
0: back bill